1: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast, I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Watford Starting Eleven, to my Watford squad, it's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How's it
2: going Justin? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah, yeah, you ready for the new season of Championship Football? I certainly am, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it's going to be this season. We're going to be absolutely exhausted. Joined on the show today, we have two people making their second tier debuts. First off, we're joined by Phil Catchpole from the Wickham podcast, Ringing the Blues. Phil, how's it going?
3: Very good, yeah. Great to be in the second tier, you know.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me on. No, it's all right. It's a pleasure to have you here. And from the Rotherham podcast, which is called the Rotherham United podcast, it's Matt Lax. Matt, how's it going?
4: No, thanks,
1: mate. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Are you uh, also enjoying being back in the second tier?
5: Uh, yes, it's a great, great, it's great division to be in. Well,
1: one of the best divisions in the world to watch, so it's great to be involved in it. I would say it's the best division in the world, if <laughs> if you ask me and Justin. But nonetheless, let's move on to what was possibly one of the biggest games from yesterday, and maybe even the biggest game of the season on paper. It was Wickham versus Rotherham. It finished Rotherham 1-0 after a late goal from Michael Hickway. Um, just before this, we talk about the actual game, gents. I just wanted to ask you, Heading into this game, it seems like it was a must-win on paper for both sides. Uh,
3: Phil, you first. Would you say it was a must-win? Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird thinking about a six-pointer, a relegation six-pointer on the opening day of the mm. season. But it certainly felt like that because looking at the table and realistically as a Wickham fan, there's not many opportunities for Wickham to say, yeah, we've got a real, real good chance of getting points in this game. But, you know, with all due respect to Rotherham, Yesterday was a great opportunity for Wickham to get three points on the board um, and they failed to do so. But, but yeah, that's that's kind of how they were looking at it. I mean, there's not a huge amount of pressure on Wickham to stay up at all, but would obviously love to do it. And it's going to be a bit more difficult when he lose to what we think is probably going to be one of our relegation rivals on the opening day.
1: Yeah, of course. Matt, would you also say it was a must-win game? It was, it's certainly a big game for us being away
5: from home. So, Texas a little bit of pressure off us, it being a must win. And obviously, if it was one of our home games, which we think is going to be strong for this season, then it would have been a much more pressure. But I think away from home, and we've got a terrible record against Wickham at past as well. So, we weren't expecting much to start with. Well, thankfully, it came out
1: good this week for us. <laughs> yeah, definitely did. Uh, Wickham seemed to have the better of the chances in the game, Daryl Horgan in particular. He missed when he was pretty much under the bar and managed to get it over. Uh, and that was in the first couple of minutes as well. But Gareth Ainsworth said, um, well, it, it seems like he'll be wondering how Wickham came away with this game without anything. Uh, Phil, would you say uh, Wickham at least deserved a point?
3: Yeah, I mean, the first half, um, Wickham did, you know, created all of the chances, but they didn't take them and We've talked about the difference between League one and the championship, and everyone said to us like you won't get many chances, and when you do, you've got to take them and Wickham didn't do that yesterday and, and they paid the heavy price for that. Uh, they should have been you know two, three up in the first half um if Darrell Horgan scores in the first couple of minutes, it's probably a different game, but he didn't you know and uh, and you know Wickham have done that to many teams in the past uh, in lower leagues where they come up at the end and, and nicolate winner and, and break hearts but you know, Rotherham did a great job. Uh, I did a Wickham job on Wickham yesterday, um, <laughs> but yeah, Wickham should have really, at least won, You know, got a point. Possibly should have won that game on, on the balance of that first half alone.
1: Yeah, Michael Hickway got the winner, and he was and he was one of the real standout players for Rotherham last season. Once he Matt, just how good a player is he? Uh,
5: I think he can go to the Premier League. I think he is that good. It was comfortably for us the best defender in the League One last year. Uh, Paul Warren said in his pre-season thing that he'd never seen a player in his entire playing and coaching career he'd never seen a player have as good a season as Hickway last year he was basically faultless throughout the entire season Uh, and as long as he stays fit this season he's going to give us a massive chance to stay up this year he is an outstanding player
1: Yeah Justin I know you're a massive fan of Michael Hickway aren't you?
2: No, absolutely. I mean, the, the the goal sort of summed him up perfectly in the sense that he just hung in the air for it seemed like hours, um, almost Van Dyke esque. And obviously, I think Rotherham have got a good track record bringing in Senator after. Obviously, Semi Ajay uh, is one that springs to mind straight um, away. And certainly, having a defender that can, um, what well, what well, is as good as him, it, it, specifically in the air as well, it, it is good for Rotherham. Yeah, of course. Um, well, based off the performance yesterday, it seemed
1: to me like the worst signs are encouragement that Wickham could compete in this division. Is that what you got, Phil?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I asked Gareth about the, you know, before the Rotherham game said, is it a massive game for you? Because, you know, they're, they're going to probably be down there with us. And uh, he just laughed it off and said, no, there's, there's 23 opportunities for us to get points this season. You know, and he thinks he can get points off the whole division. And, it's his job to talk like that. But, you know, he makes the fans believe as much as the players do sometimes. But, yeah, there were good signs yesterday. Um, bearing in mind, you know, we've got the Beast out injured. Um, we've got um, Ig piezu who we haven't seen really much of, uh, apart from some pre-season stuff. He's out injured as well. Plus, we had a suspension and a couple of injuries in central midfield, which I think really cost Wickham late in the game yesterday. Um, but they were really encouraging signs. I thought Scott get um, he had Michael Ihekwe on toes for 45 minutes, um, You know whether Ihekwe, he hadn't played a lot of football for, you know, for a while, but he certainly much improved in the second half, but in the first half, I thought Kashket was fantastic for Wickham and he's almost like a new signing because he had a four-month ban last season and he's had a bit of an injury record as well over the past few seasons. But he looked razor sharp yesterday, plus they've got this amazing culture and, and team mentality. Um, So if anyone can kind of defy the odds, you'd think it'd be Wickham this season. Um, So, yeah, no one's panicking and no one's really under pressure to stay up. But I think they're going to give it a good go. And there were signs there yesterday that we will probably be able to get some points on the board.
1: I suppose one of the big concerns, Phil, is that when it comes to teams who you think Wickham could snatch points off, then Rotherham at home, no disrespect to Rotherham, that would be one of those games where you'd be thinking... Okay, maybe that's one where we have to try and get three points if we do want to stay up. That's not happened. So do you get the feeling that even though they might compete at this division, it could end up being quite a long and hard season?
3: I think, yeah, maybe. I think, you know, February, if you're looking down a barrel of five or six straight defeats, it could be a bit tiresome. But, um, you know, I think the financial rewards for Wiccan being in the Championship um, are so vital to the club, especially in the current conditions. Um, No-one's throwing cash around to stay up at all costs, which all the fans, I think, agree with because they're looking at the long-term sustainability of the the club. And I think we actually look at Rotherham uh, as a bit of a business model for us as well because they've been up and down and been up and down and been up and down. You know, I think for Wickham they've got to look at this over the next two seasons and think if we do go down, we need to make sure that next season we're in a fantastic position to be able to come straight back up again and, and not end up with, with players on the books that we don't want to have around because they're earning too much money or they're causing problems. Um, and I think the signings they've made have really reflected that because if Wickham were to get relegated, I see all of the signings made so far um, sticking with Wickham in League One and, and making a strong nucleus of a squad to come back up the season after. Um, you know, obviously, I hope they stay up this season, but I think they're sort of looking at this as a two-season project a bit like Rotherham have done with their sort of yo-yo status between one and the Championship.
1: Yeah, and Matt, just going to you, this is obviously a great start for Paul Warren, isn't it? But um, has this results given Rotherham fans a bit of optimism that they could do quite well this season? Or right now, would you just take 21st? Uh,
5: I'd still just take 21st. Just staying up <laughs> is obviously massive for us. Uh, but there's a lot of optimism coming into this season. We've got a we what we think is a really, really good squad of players, some who were in this last time at the Championship, uh, some new people like Freddie Ledepo obviously has come in last season, scored a lot. We're hoping he's going to be a key man for us this year, although he wasn't particularly good yesterday. Um, no, I think there's some it's some massive positives for us going forward. We we've feel, we feel really, really positive about this season. Uh, it's not the strongest championship it's been in a long time. There's, you know, there's no outstanding Leeds or Villas or, you know, outstanding team this year. So there is an opportunity for us, we feel, to stay up. Obviously, Wednesday having 12 points took off and helps us as well. Um, but yeah, we're there's real confidence that we're going to stop this year, this year.
1: I think. Yeah, of course, Justin, you're a massive fan of Paul Warren, aren't mm.
2: you? So um, he'll take this result and think, yeah, we can definitely build upon this, can't we? Uh, absolutely. He's a he's a manager who thrives off uh, positivity, um, and obviously getting a getting a one nil win on the opening day, you take them, however however they come, whether they're one nil scrappy wins and whatnot, or if you've been the wor- no, the second best all game. Um, and you you win 1-0 you take it 92nd minute winner is something that is just going to breed confidence in the side and Paul Warren I think is one person who can keep that going yeah of course gents just
1: before we uh, move on and go around the rest of the division I just wanted to ask you both um, because it is quite early on in the season who are uh, who's a player who we should be keeping an eye on from uh, your respective clubs we'll start with you Phil who's someone at Wickham who uh, maybe neutrals should be having a look at and uh, seeing how they do this season
3: yeah I think Scott Casket. Um, he, he's, he's had a great story in terms of like his past, and he's had a lot of uh, things to come to get over. Had uh, a terrible spell at Leighton Orient, and that came back to bite him a bit last season with his betting ban. But he's one of the m- most natural finishers I've seen play for Wickham in recent times. He appears to go over his injury problems, and you know sometimes you hear about players that the higher they go, the, the kind of the more natural they look. And he looked really at home yesterday, uh, and he looked fit and strong. And you know if he gets a regular run in the side. And if he gets a big man to play off up top, either Ig or the Beast, then um, he could get a lot of goals for Wickham this season. And he's an exciting player. So he'd be the one that I would sort of pinpoint. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, same question to you, Matt. Who would you say?
5: Uh, probably Matt Crooks. He didn't particularly have a good game yesterday. Uh, but last season, he scored nine, ten goals. Uh, and he was with us last six months in the Championship last time around. And he, he started to show what he could do in Championship last year. He pushed on. He's, he's really, really important to the way he plays. He's really important to link up the midfield and the attack. And when, when he doesn't play well like yesterday, you could see we didn't have that link-up play, which which is important. So, But last season, they were brilliant. And I think if we are to have a good season, it's going to be important. Something like has a has a good season as well.
1: Lovely stuff. Well, cheers, chaps. We'll talk to you a bit later on in the show. For now, let's go around the grounds and we'll start off with the other side who are promoted to the championship. That's Coventry City. They were playing their first game in the second tier in eight years, but they lost 2-1 to Bristol City. Joining us now is Jerry Crone from the Coventry City podcast, Neil Lamptey. Jerry, not the result the Sky Blues wanted on their return to the championship, but it looked like they gave a good showing of themselves. It was a
6: decent enough showing. I'll be honest with you, though, is that Bristol City seemed to be very uh, happy for us to have the ball. It seemed like they were trying to play counter-attacking football, and I think that often makes teams look better than they are sometimes. We used it fairly well. We could have had a couple more goals. I think if Tyler Walker had been on the pitch for more than 30 seconds when he had that very good chances, that would have possibly put us two on up. Um, but overall, seemed okay. Some encouraging performances from some of the new signings, Hammer especially, Um, But it's a long season. We'll we'll have a look to see how it gets on.
1: Yeah, obviously, the football club has moved very quickly up the football pyramid over the last few seasons. But what are the expectations from Coventry City fans this season? Uh,
6: Depends on which Cov fan you talk to. So some lunatics think that we're going to push for playoffs and promotion. I think some people are a little bit more realistic than that our big signing this summer has been Nottingham Forest's fourth choice striker and I think a lot of people forget that that's probably our level Um, I would be pretty happy with anything that kept us away from being relegated but we've got no idea how a lot of the players will settle in and how they'll adapt to the level
1: And, Joey, Coventry have been one of the busiest clubs in the Championship this summer, maybe even the busiest. Um, How did the new signings look? Hammer in particular looks a very decent player, doesn't he?
6: Yeah, Hammer looks very, very fun indeed. He was withdrawn after an hour because he was... It was a miracle that he didn't get sent off already. But his use of the ball and his dynamism and his sort of tenaciousness looked like he's going to be a very fun player to watch. Funnily enough, the two players that look like they're going to have the biggest impact for us this season apart from him are another two new sign-ins, but the two sign-ins that we had last season, and that's Ryan Giles and Callum O'Hare, who the first two games we've had so far have linked up fantastically two players that we're familiar with to different extents but that two players that look immediately like they will be able to cope with the demands of the championship but as i say only one proper for league gaming but yeah that's not too bad
1: cheers jerry that's jerry crone from the knee lampty podcast justin just quickly what did you make of cobb's first appearance in the championship in
2: eight years I thought it was pretty, pretty productive. You know, they had chances to, to, to score, really, and I think probably it was perhaps that um, inexperience of Championship level that maybe let them down. Obviously, they had a guilt edge chance hitting the post. Matt Godden took his goal really, really well. So I think it was a positive performance to build on. Um, and I think going away to Bristol City um, was a difficult first game, but Coventry City certainly, you know, covered themselves in glory. I think, and just on Bristol City, it was a great uh, result for them. And your favourite, Jamie Patterson. Put in a stormer of a performance, didn't he? It was, it was a complete performance, wasn't it? That, that, that first goal in the first minute sort of epitomised him. He 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 managed to find himself in the box with nobody around him. Absolutely nobody. And that's the ability he has. Obviously, Bristol City playing counter-attacking football against Coventry City suited them really well. And it's something that Lee Johnson didn't really hit the notes properly uh, and consistently. So this performance, I think, is certainly a positive one for me for, for Bristol City. Yeah, let's go to Hillsborough because there was a
1: big old shock there as Wednesday beat Cardiff 2-0 thanks to goals from Jordan Rhodes and Josh Windass. Dan Fudge is from the Wednesday Week podcast. Dan, were you a bit surprised by yesterday's result? Was I surprised? It's absolutely mental. I was
0: particularly overjoyed for Josh Windass, who um, was perceived by some of our fans as a bit of an average signing because he played for us at the back end of a season where particularly we were pretty rubbish. Um, I'm also chuffed for Jordan Rhodes, somebody who's been much maligned over the recent years and this move to us hasn't really worked out for him. So for him to try and recreate the form, we're all talking about it again, it's going to be great, he's going to take over the world and Sheffield Wednesday are up to minus nine points.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is minus nine points Dan, but is this win, is it going to give Wednesday fans a bit of optimism heading into the season now? Absolutely. People are getting carried away and talking about the dizzying heights
0: of mid-table currently. Um, you know, we probably bust a few coupons yesterday in terms, of, uh, in terms of the result. I must admit, I was surprised as everybody else. Um, I'm now starting to believe that's it. We're going to go playoffs. We're going to go automatic promotion. It's all coming up Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, note to self,
1: don't do this again next week when we get spanked 3-0 tell you what i love the optimism dan but uh, on a serious note there was this negative vibe around wednesday wasn't there but does this result kind of lift that or does there need to be a lot more work to be done for that to happen
0: yeah, hundred percent. It's been really difficult uh, around S six for um, for a number of months um, since since we lost to Stoke on Boxing Day. Our season fell to bits, and it became very apparent that we needed a great clear out of uh, of players, and that happened. And I must admit, I've been really upbeat about the uh about the players that we've that we've bought our recruitment in recent years has been pretty poor and uh to now have these players
1: that are starting to excite the fans is is really encouraging yeah dan you do mention the recruitment the squad is looking a bit thin though isn't it particularly up front with jordan rhodes being the only out and out striker at the moment i presume that's something that needs to be addressed as soon as possible isn't it
0: Absolutely. Uh, we are talking currently about a whore. Apparently, this is something that's in the pipeline. Um, but if we're beating Cardiff 2-0 away, who needs strikers? We'll just chuck all the midfielders up front and then that's it. Playoffs are wrapped
1: in again. We're going to get promoted. We're on our way, etc. Uh, fan noises. The ever-enthusiastic Dan Fudge there from the Wednesday Week podcast. Uh, Justin, we're expecting Cardiff to
2: have a good season this season, but
1: this wasn't a great way to start,
2: was it? No, two nil, losing 2-0 on the opening day of the season is always disappointing. Um, I think Wednesday set up, well, to, to make Cardiff struggle. You know, launching balls into the box when you've got Iorfa, Lees and Akin in there is always going to be difficult when you your main man's key for more. But with Wednesday at lining up the way they did, Cardiff had to dominate the ball and it's something that they're not used to. Yeah, the thing is as well, before this, Wednesday had picked up 17 points in 2020 compared
1: to Cardiff for a thirty six which is unbelievable. But that's the championship for you, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we bloody love it. Uh, let's go to St Andrews, where there was another shock because Birmingham won 1-0 against Brentford, thanks to Jeremy Baylor. Billy Grants from the Brentford podcast, Be Sotted. Billy, first game of the season against Birmingham. Brentford
7: dominating the game and they concede from a header. Hasn't this happened before? Just like 12 months ago, we don't take our chances. The referee is a bit rubbish and we go down 1-0. Brentford normally struggle against Karanka sides and Saturday was no different. I thought we looked a tad off the pace. Too many players had a so-so game. Birmingham looked hungry and well organised. We lost the ball far too often in key positions and were lacking our incisive passing game. Saying that, Canos and De Silva, they hit the woodwork. And if one of those had gone in, it could have been a different game. Birmingham were putting their mark on the game but saying that Marcondes he was okay when he came on and Harley Dean he almost took Canos's legs off before bowling Norgard guard for what should have been a penalty but it wasn't to be and I'm not making excuses we didn't create enough fingers crossed we can get going faster than we did last season when we took 12 points from our first 11 games if we can get ourselves firing on at least three cylinders by the end of the month I'll be a happy man
1: Yeah, well, from what I've seen from all the so-called championship experts like ourselves on uh, Twitter, everyone's tipping Brentford for at least a top four finish. Um, But after what we saw last season, Brentford can't afford a slow start, can they?
7: We can't really afford to have another slow start to this season. I mean, like I said, last season, 11 games, 12 points, 17th place in October. And it really cost us. All we needed was one more win and we'd have been promoted. This season it looks like it's to start like that again, but you never know. The transfer window hasn't closed as yet, and uh we need to get a creative player in because we were looking a because we were lacking a little bit of creativity yesterday without Ben Rama. Yeah, well you mentioned Ben
1: Rama. It seems like there isn't as much interest in him as was reported uh, at the end of last season. Are you optimistic about him potentially playing for Brentford this season?
7: People expected him to be out the door first player for Brentford. But that's not necessarily the case because we set a price on him. And if teams don't meet the price, then we're not going to sell him. Not like the olden days when DJ Campbell, they gave us £500,000 for him and we we're so desperate for the money, we took it. It's different with Brentford now. And I really expect the Benrahma scenario to long itself out for the whole of the window and him to probably be sold at the last minute on deadline day. But he's good enough. He'll play in the Premier League this season and uh, Brentford will move on.
1: Cheers, Billy. Billy Grant there from the Besotted Podcast. Uh, surprising result, Justin, but it's one hell of a, of a
2: result for Ito Karanka, isn't it? Well, you, we win one nil on your, your first game. It's always going to be a big result, and obviously against one of the the, the, the division's big hitters, it's, it's a massive result. And obviously, clean sheet, one nil. What a way to start! Yeah, well, a way to start
1: and. Uh, It's fair to say, during our league table predictions, we were quite sceptical about Birmingham's chances. But, I mean, obviously, Brentford dominated the game, but they defended quite well, didn't they, Birmingham? Which is something that we couldn't say too much about them last season,
2: is it? Definitely not. Uh, I think Colin and Pedersen were superb. Colin won four out of his five duels. And Sonia to midfield was brilliant as well. And I think that set up for what that cranker brings to Birmingham might suit them players down to the ground. Yeah, you can't say Artur Karanka does not know how to organise
1: a side. Uh, let's have a break, Justin. After that, we'll talk Forrest, Norwich and Luton. It's a little-known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier podcast. We're going round the grounds to see what the fans thought of the first games of the season in the Championship. Justin, during that break, you you revealed a very interesting fact to me. Do you want to tell the listeners
2: what it was? Absolutely. Always delivering value, we are. (laughs) All of the teams who scored first yesterday, they all won their games. So interesting. Yeah. you can say a lot of things
1: about this podcast but you can't say you don't learn something right let's go to the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium because Forrest started the season off with a 2-0 loss to QPR goals from new signing Lyndon Dykes and also from Elias Chair uh, Rich Ferraro joins us from the Forest Ramble Rich uh, any Forest fans who are worried about a hangover this season this result is not going to dispel those worries is it?
4: Yeah, hangover's definitely the word. And of course, Forest fans are worried. Uh, We're not worried so much about the results because obviously there's not really been much pre-season this time around, but what we are worried about is the style of play. And uh, Forest did really well in the first half of last season through having a sort of sit back and hit on the break style of play. And then as they got more and more fatigued, it just became a sit back and then get caught out style of play. And it seems like we've started this season the way we finish
1: the last, which is a worry. Yeah, I can understand the concerns about the style of play, Rich. But just one thing I want to flag you up on there is, you said not concerned about the results. Surely you are, because it's three wins in seventeen now.
4: Well I'm not that worried about results because it's the start of the season. Uh, all teams are looking a little bit leggy and a little bit laggy because of lack of pre-season. Um, what I would say is that um, some Forest fans are worried about results because obviously if a bad form to continue from one season to the next isn't a great start. However no one wins or loses the league after one game and there's still 45 to go so the question being now that Forest have got a thicker squad can they pick up and find ways to win that they might not have done last season
1: fair enough then Uh, sabri lamushi started this season under pressure as forest manager how much more pressure is he under now after this result
4: according to social media sabri's out of a job already and i understand why Um, but people are saying, oh, Eddie Howe's the right man for the job. He wants a break from football, and also, he's more of a slow burner as a manager. He'd want to build, so I'm not sure he's the right man for the job anyway. Um, he certainly wouldn't get the time he needs at a club like Forrest. If Forrest wants to go promotional bust, then I guess Chris hutton's the obvious choice, but he'd want to maybe bring in his own players. And also, there'd be the same complaints about a rather rigid, defensive style of play, grinding out results, so I don't know if there's a solution out there.
1: If it was up to you, Rich, how long would you give Lamushi? I
4: think the key here is, does Sabri have the ability to get the team playing in a different way, to show a little bit more guile uh, when going forward? If you just stick Kieran Freeman and Lyle Taylor into a team and expect that that will suddenly make things better, then he ain't the right man for the job. There's no plan B. Um, the question being is, does he have the ability to actually coach the team to play in different ways, Not just different formations, but different tactical options. And uh, so, I mean, I don't think it's worth kind of making a knee jerk reaction in September. This is basically a continuation of last season. So, what we'll need to see is over the next three matches, uh, can Sabri get the team doing different things with a bit more time on the training pitch, with a bit more match sharpness in there? Cheers, Rich.
1: That's Rich Ferraro from the Forest Ramble podcast. Uh, Justin, you are a Derby fan, but you must be pretty worried about how Forest have started this season.
2: Well, it's almost like they left off, isn't it? It was, it was certainly frustrating for them. Very disappointing, disappointing, and and quite, I mean, relatively defensive again. You know, grabbing Costa, and Joe Lolly didn't muster over 30 touches each I had 75 between in which for me the creative players and your striker that's not good enough and um, as you say when you're not getting your striker and my players in the, in the game you're not going to score a goal No and Forrest's style of play doesn't
1: really help with that does it but I tell you what QPR looked superb in this game Elias Chair in particular looked great and we were saying in the uh, predictions episode that he needs to build some consistency because the issue with him last season was we saw glimpses of brilliance but he just wouldn't do it he'd do it one every three games but if he gets going he could be quality this season couldn't he?
2: No I do agree I'm actually quite excited with this QPR side it looks it looks like it's a good group and it seems more balanced now um, it seems weird when your big players leave you almost your players have got to come together and I think Chair has got the opportunity to step up and you know, obviously he got a goal uh, and was absolutely magnificent yesterday. I know it's a lot of praise but
1: If he does build some consistency, he could be their Abiri Eze from this season, couldn't he? Because I know Eze was very good last season, but Cher has got that quality.
2: It's just about doing it every game, not every few games. The same thing was said about Eze the season before last. Just had had to build up his consistency. Uh, He did that last season and look, look where it ended up for him and QPR. Yeah, of course. Well, let's go
1: to Yorkshire, where Huddersfield played Norwich in what was Norwich's first game back in the championship in just over a year. And they were taken on a Huddersfield side in what was Carlos Corberan's first game as a first team manager. On the line now is Jake Robinson from Canary Cast. Jake, this seemed a bit of a one sided game in the way that um, Norwich were constantly knocking on the door. And at one point, it didn't seem like it
8: was going to go their way until Adam Eder popped up. Yeah, mate, it was a tricky one because uh, first half Huddersfield looked good. They were pressing us well and we were struggling to create opportunities. Second half we had a couple of and knocked it over the bar. (laughs) Hernandez had a couple of efforts. Pukki was unlucky with a few. We just didn't pull the trigger enough and it reminded us very much of um, (laughs) the championship last season where we just refused to shoot. it did seem like it was coming but only from a mistake really and thankfully Richard Svierman um, adhered to that and we got the three points. It, it would have been a massive missed opportunity if, if we didn't um, come through of it and, and get the three points because Huddersfield looked like a team that are going to have a long, hard season
1: this year. Yeah, it was young Adam Eder who got the goal. Uh, we've only seen him in short cameos so far in his career because he is just a young lad. But how excited are Norwich fans by him and what do you expect his role to be this season?
8: Yeah, it's fantastic to see him score. I think Norwich fans have almost taken it for granted about the young players we've had coming through, but everyone loves a a youth uh, player coming through up front and scoring goals for the club. In terms of his um, development... Yeah, massively excited for for a 19 year old. He's got a, a huge frame, so physically he'll easily be able to cope with this league. He's got pace, and he looks to be a, a natural striker. Um, for, for the goal, he couldn't really miss. Timu Puki was fantastic in that. He, Adam said after the game he didn't expect him to pl- pass it because not many strikers would in that position. But yeah, really unselfish and great for him to score the goal. In terms of um his development, I'm very surprised to see that Jordan Hugo didn't come off the bench uh, instead of him. But great to see that Daniel Farquhar has that faith in him. I, I think he'll be up there this season uh, uh, with a lot of cameos because I think, as well as up front, we could potentially see him on the left-hand side with his pace if, if Plajeta and Hernandez aren't doing the job. Yeah, as
1: you mentioned, he, he
8: couldn't really miss the chance.
1: But do you think there's the potential that if he does keep scoring, then he could be
8: playing ahead of the likes of Puki and Hugo? It's the interesting one about Timo, really, because... Yesterday, apart from finishing, he was fantastic. Very sharp, really good in the press, and that's that's massive for Norwich because he's got the, all of the attributes that Daniel Farkas is after in a striker. Um, in terms of finishing, though, a couple of seasons ago, including the Ida goal, he he would have shot and would have scored just instinctively. He he refused to pull the trigger on a couple of occasions uh, just after the Ida goal as well. There was another chance; Timo Puky was just by the D, and you you expect him to pull the trigger, but he's hesitant, and and that is potentially a one for the rest of the season. Um, if either keeps scoring, of course he'll be up there. Um, the only thing is, Daniel Farker normally refuses to change a winning side, so it could potentially be a cameo role in, until he's scoring five, six, seven goals off the bench and he's too good to leave out.
1: And just finally, Jake, a lot of people are tipping Norwich for promotion this season. Did yesterday's performance make you any more confident or less confident
8: about your chances this season? yeah um, a massive pressure on all of us i think everyone i've seen have have put norwich in the top two um yesterday it's difficult to judge off one game, especially because I'm not really too sure where Huddersfield are going to be this season. It was it was more important to get the winning momentum back. Obviously, we'd lost 12 in a row before that and, and this team and squad are a young group and really needed to get that winning mentality back in. Um, I'll, I'll be more inclined after Preston, who I think are a lot more of a solid team. We, we were okay yesterday. The um, first half was a bit pre-season, passes astray. Second half, we did take a stranglehold of it, but like I say, I, I think it showed the quality of the championship. It isn't? Great. Great because we were still leaving gaps, still opportunities for Huddersfield in behind. Their final ball was just not there. Um, yeah, like I say, I'll, I'll be a lot more inclined to see five, ten games into the season to be able to see where I think we'll actually finish this season. But fingers crossed and, and good for a win all in all. Cheers, Jake. That's Jake Robinson from the Canary
1: Cast podcast. Uh, Justin, Carlos Corbrand's first game in charge of Huddersfield. And it's got to be said, they looked pretty poor here. Would you agree?
2: There was there was echoes of last season in there with you know there's a lack of creativity, a lack of potency up front, just a lack, just a lack of things they need. Um, it, it seems it seems obvious to say, but there's a lot there's a lot of work to do here for Huddersfield, and obviously this game thing I think pretty much summed them up. Yeah, and it's got to be said, we mentioned on the league table predictions last week that we
1: were concerned about their starting eleven and how that would look this season. It was even worse than I,
2: I expected yesterday. They've got some serious strengthening to do this season, haven't they? Like I said, there's a there's a real lack of creativity in there. Obviously, Bakuna playing wide right. Dear Carby, who didn't really pull up any trees at, at Forest, so to speak. And obviously, Josh Caroma who's got no championship experience. There's a lot of holes there. Yeah, of course. Well, let's move on then to
1: what was what would have been a relegation battle last season. It's Barnsley versus Luton.
9: Ian, Nathan Jones, he just can't stop winning with Luton, can he? It was a very good uh, tactical performance from Luton against a really good Barnsley team. They performed really, really well, especially in defence. We've shot the back door. They took the chance when they needed to. Um, We only got a couple of chances there and had a couple of chances. I guess from a neutral standpoint, it would have been a... A bit of a boring game, but uh, we took our chances when we needed to. And tactically, uh, Nathan Jones had it spot on um, against a well-drilled Barnsley team that really, really press. Um, we're not used to playing long ball football, um, but, he, but we did yesterday uh, and it worked very well.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about Nathan Jones because when he left, he wasn't the most popular man in Luton. And then when he came back, the appointment divided Luton fans. But what's the general consensus around him now?
9: Still a slight division, only a slight division in the fans really, I think once he kept us up last season um, that fixed a lot of the opinions that were there um, and I think he's, he's really proved that he's, he's taken back as to where we were when he left really. Um, the job was big at Stoke, he obviously failed at Stoke, didn't do very well but he, he's a Luton guy, he knows Luton, um, he's done really really well. From my standpoint, I, I had an issue when he left, but as soon as he came back, it he's a looter manager now, that's it, move on. Um, and he's proved, proved to be a really good appointment again.
1: It's weird that there's still even a slight bit of division around Nathan Jones, but nonetheless, uh, James Collins got on the score sheet yesterday. He's someone who seems like a really underrated player. How good is he?
9: Very good. I mean, he's scored goals in every single division he's been in and every single division he's been in, people have said, oh no, he can't do it, can't do it in that division and he's proved them wrong. And he take the goals away, um, he's he's a really, really hard worker up and down the field, constantly presses the ball, does really, really well in that area of the pitch. He, he, he's underrated, no doubt, um, and definitely should have started at Ireland last week. Um, it'd be amazing if he doesn't get a call-up after scoring four goals in two games.
1: Yeah, and just finally, Ian, um, despite the brilliant word that Nathan Jones is doing, it seems like the aim this season for Luton fans is just to stay up. Is that the case?
9: I think for most that's the case, yeah. Um, if we stay up, it's another great achievement under our budget. Um, we can't expect normally much more than that, but quietly confident we'll progress better than where we were last year. Um, I think with the recent results, we've only had one defeat in the last 16 or something like that. Um, but he's he's done really, really well. I think as long as we sort our pums out of the back, we've got enough to go up front. Um, I think we've got one more player to come in. Pretty confident we can do a little bit better than we did last year. Uh, I think we'll surprise a few this year.
1: Cheers, Ian. That's Ian Robertson there from We Are Luton Town. Just in from a Barnsley perspective, the Struber train is delayed leaving the station. Wasn't a great performance from them, was it? I think you mean the Bavarian boat. No, I don't mean the Bavarian boat. We're sticking with the Struber train. It's copyrighted now. Please go on.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously disappointing to lose 1-0 to Luton. They had one chance and it went in. That almost sums up Luton under Nathan Jones at the moment. And obviously with Barnsley being so good going forward, six shots shots off target really isn't good enough for a team who are so, so good at scoring goals at times.
1: Yeah, and the thing is as well, we rate Barnsley quite well, so uh, this result is massively disappointing from their perspective, but there's still a long way to go in the season, isn't there? Because we are only one game in. Let's go to uh, Bournemouth, where uh, they played their first game back in the Championship. Since being relegated, they played Blackburn in what was a very entertaining game, finished 3-2, Jack Stacey among the goals. Justin,
2: what did you make of this game? I mean, 3-2... Opening day of the season, it's a very good game. Um, But I think it just summed up the chaos that Bournemouth bring with them wherever they go. Just attack, attack, attack and pretty poor defensively. Yeah, this game decided to
1: be a bit different and decided to be actually quite entertaining, which doesn't really happen too much on the first day of the Championship. Usually teams are quite sturdy and don't really want to go out and attack too much. But I think we saw plenty of attacking quality, didn't we? I think that's pretty obvious, really. Adam Armstrong
2: in particular is someone we really love on this podcast, isn't he? I mean, his goal was oh, brilliant. Mm, spectacular. You know, it showed how deadly he is in the box. He t- takes the ball off his teammates' toes, turns with it and finishes it all by himself. That's, that's him personified, really. He's such a good striker and I, well, we both love him. We do. We do both love him. And uh,
1: this uh, result has led to Blackburn fans saying they need urgently some defensive stability. That's pretty obvious, really, isn't it? When you lose someone like Tosin Adarabayo, you
2: need to replace him, don't you? I am surprised nobody's come in just yet Um, and I think obviously that that would be a priority because I think going forward, they're fine. It's just obviously, as you say, defensively they need a bit of backup. Yeah, but for Bournemouth, this was a great first result for Jason Tindall
1: who looks like he's carrying on exactly where Eddie Howe left off which is attack, attack,
2: attack. Who cares about defending if you score more goals than they do? I mean, a lot of teams adopted that approach last season. It worked for some, didn't work for many. But obviously, if Bournemouth can keep scoring goals, they're always going to be dangerous because of the quality of the players they have going forward. Yeah, and they, well, the thing is, we were saying
1: um, when we were talking about Bournemouth and the league table predictions, they have got some very good players. I mean, you look at the starting 11, the likes of Lerma, uh, Solanke, Mepham, Stacey, players who were very handy in Premier League level, really, and now they're in the championship. They are big names, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that they're going to do well at this level, does it? So it remains to be seen how that's going to pan out. Uh, let's go to the game that happened on Friday night. That also involved a relegated side. That was Watford. That finished 1-0 after a goal from Craig Cathwart. A bullet header it was as well, wasn't it? It
2: nearly took the net out.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, the the thing is, from a a Watford perspective, I suppose when you have been relegated to the Championship, the last side you want to come up against is someone managed by Neil Warnock. But this wasn't a uh, particularly entertaining game i didn't think uh, you might disagree but i thought watford i was very impressed with how well they did defensively even though they've got all these young attacking players
2: going forwards it was really the defensive side of their game that stood out for me i mean i might disagree maybe our standards on on types of games is, is very different i quite like 1-0 wins um but um, so on, <laughs> yeah on the on the flip side of the coin i thought watford Gave Middlesbrough quite a few chances. They had four shots on target, seven shots inside the penalty area. Asombolonga should have scored with a free header. Borough had chances here to get a result. I think they might have edged the game overall. So I certainly, think a defending from a Watford perspective that left a lot to be desired. Well, let's move on then to Pride Park, where um, Tommy
1: put in a pretty. Average performance, to say the very least, against Reading, who won 2-0. We'll talk Reading first, Justin, because this was quite an impressive performance from uh, a Reading side who we weren't too sure about heading into this season, especially under a new manager. But they, they looked all right, didn't they, even though Derby weren't in great shakes themselves?
2: There were a lot of question marks Um with Reading before the game, and I think they answered a lot of a lot of questions and maybe a lot of criticisms. They looked fitter and stronger than Derby, and genuinely looked incredibly dangerous every time they went forward. And wow, Lucas! He put
1: in one hell of a performance, didn't he? And uh, it's not something we're being able to say quite often with Lucas Yao. He He is one of those players who is incredibly inconsistent. So if he manages to get some form and does it over a number of games, then he could be a very good player, couldn't he? But I thought Derby looked really average, didn't they? I mean, going forwards, it doesn't help when you've got a a striker like Jack Marriott who's unfit, low in confidence. That doesn't help. But
2: in other areas as well, I thought they were just really bang average. Well, if we're com- if we're going to compare Lucas Zhao to Jack Marriott, Lucas Zhao uh, touched the ball forty-seven times. He was in the game. Compare that to Jack Marriott, who only touched the ball twenty times, which is a scary amount for your forward um, when you're trying to well you're chasing the game at, the, at this point. Uh, and obviously, as you say, Derby. You said Derby looked average. I think that's incredibly kind. Kind, yeah, very kind. Because um, for me, at times it looked like they lacked a bit of leadership in there. And as you say, Derby. Uh, desperate need of creativity and a striker well they
1: have been linked with a couple of players we don't really know if they're just Twitter rumours or, or what but they are so desperate to have a striker and another winger at least because injuries have also been a problem with the likes of Lawrence and Waghorn also missing but they are so desperate to bring players in so so desperate and it remains to be seen if that's going to be done It looks like from what a lot of reports are saying it might happen over, the, over this week actually um, let's move on because the final few games, um, Swansea, they beat Preston 1-0. Uh, a goal from Morgan Gibbs-White on his debut in a Swan shirt. And also, Millwall 0 Stoke 0. I imagine there are two teams we'll talk about quite a lot this season, Justin, uh, but not a great game here. Right, let's do some News.
2: thoroughly enjoyed how surprised you were by that new jingle Justin. <laughs> it's terrifying i'm sorry <laughs> listeners i'm truly truly sorry for what you've had to um, bear witness to i just have this image somewhere
1: of someone listening to this and they've got the headphones in and they heard that and they have basically been very shocked about what they just heard <laughs> um let's move on because we have news to talk about uh we'll start off with this because the efl have appealed against the decision made by an independent panel which dismissed derby of any wrongdoing over misconduct charges now it's specifically about the charge related to the amortization of intangible assets uh justin you are more interested in this than i am but
2: from a derby perspective as well what is your reaction to this news it's it's just bizarre that the fact that the EFL wanting another go at Derby, obviously the amortization in layman terms is spreading the value of something over the length of the contract. So it's Tom Lawrence, eight million pounds, that's two million pounds over four years um the the- fr- from what I know the e f l were made aware of this a while ago um from a from another podcast, but mm. nonetheless um they 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 were made aware they didn't care at that point it's only now that they're bothered um now, now they've got a bit of egg on their face from the first investigation, but for me it's just wasting time money, and it's completely pointless well um Derby, I've said they're
1: disappointed that the e f l are appealing if you want to learn a bit more about this, then I recommend our episode from Two weeks ago, which is when we had Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast, he explained it a lot better than we can. Um, but in summary, he did say the EFL's rules are not very good. So it's their own fault, really. Um, but we'll wait and see how this pans out. Uh, the other bit of big news from this week was Nathaniel Mendes Lang, the Cardiff winger. His contract at the club has been terminated. It's reportedly over a breach of contract. Justin, I think the less we say on this, the better. Do you agree? Always. <laughs> Let's get to some transfers because there's been a lot going on over the past week. We'll start with this. Neil Etheridge has gone from Cardiff to Birmingham. I was very impressed by this signing. Were you?
2: Absolutely. Um, it it sort of came out of the blue, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I love> <laughs> um, yeah. It came, it came out of the blue. You know, it wasn't too long ago that Neil Etheridge was one of the most consistent performers in the Premier League from a goalkeeper perspective. perspective. He saved so many penalties for, for mm. Cardiff in the Premier League um, and he lost his place last season. It's not it's not really worked out for him. So it's a top, top signing for Birmingham City.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because when Cardiff got relegated, he was being linked with a move to some big Premier League clubs, wasn't he? Not necessarily as the number one, but as a pretty sturdy backup. So it's very bizarre how um, quickly he fell down the pecking order at Cardiff. But if he gets back to his best, then Blues have got one hell of a keeper on their, on their hands. Uh, speaking of keepers, Marcus Bettinelli. He has gone to Middlesbrough. He's also joined by
2: Sam Morsey. Uh, you're a fan of those two signings? All I'm gonna say is um RIP to championship players with yeah. Sam Morsey and Neil Warnock uniting, it's just gonna be shit house, shit house, shit house. Sam Morsey does not give a he does not care about your
1: shins. Uh Nabi Sarr to Huddersfield, you said that was a good sign and you're a big fan of Nabi Sarr, aren't you? Uh, Nathan Byrne to Derby. He's come in to replace Jaden Bogle and uh, also Max Lowe has gone from Derby to Sheffield United. Nathan Byrne, very steady player, wasn't he, for Wigan last
2: season? Yeah, especially in their form post, not, actually not post lockdown, even before lockdown. Very, very good player, very good wing back and experience at championship, championship level. Yeah, of course. And then very
1: interesting one, this Jacob Brown to Stoke. Now, the fee being reported is only two million quid, which for a lad who is what, 22, 23? He's one of the
2: top strikers in terms of creating chances. I think that's a brilliant signing for Stoke. Massive signing. One of the things that they they lacked really last season is a bit of pace, bit of creativity in the final third. And Jacob Brown brings that. It was part of that quartet of not quartet, sorry, trio of Woodrow, uh, Chap, uh, Connor, Chaplin, and obviously um, Jacob Brown himself. So. Big signing for Stoke. Yeah, massive signing. It it really surprised me. But from a a Barnsley
1: perspective, it's not ideal, is it? Because he was so important to linking up uh, the play with uh, Woodrow, uh, Chaplin and the midfield. So how they recover from that is going to be interesting to see. And then Bristol City, they have been busy over the past week. Alfie Mawson and Stephen Sessignon have both come in uh, on loan from Fulham. I think they're two class signings. I mean, Bristol City had a pretty sturdy defence as it was. But now Alfie Mawson in
2: particular... If they get him back to his best, I, I think that could be a one hell of a move. Well, we're forgetting that Alfie Mawson was, was he called up to England at one point? He must have been bloody close when he was at yeah. Swansea. So it's, it's a good signing and let's not forget Chris Brunt either. It's, all, it's also another top signing, but uh, well, experience-wise anyway. Um, mm. But Stephen on again on loan. Um, they needed to fill the right back spot and they've done that. Yeah, well, let's go on to the polls, Justin.
1: I've missed in the polls. The polls are some of my favourite bits of the show. So on our Twitter, we put up three interesting questions. The first one was, uh, which club is more likely to be in the Championship Forever, Derby or Forest? Which one are you going for?
2: It's very difficult to pick between the two, isn't it? I think they're both equally
1: doomed to be in the Championship for the remainder of time. Uh, Derby won with 59%. So, pretty close. Uh, Which relegated club is going to have the best season? Bournemouth, Norwich or Watford? I presume you're going to say Norwich. I am going to say Norwich. Norwich got 39%. Watford got 49%. Mm. And then Bournemouth had 12%. So, no one fancies Bournemouth. Although, they all won on the first (laughs) weekend of the Championship. Uh, And the final question was... Is Star Wars overrated. I said yes, you said no because you're a massive Star Wars fan. I don't get it. I do not understand Star Wars whatsoever. It makes no sense to me. 57% of people agree with me. 57% of people are. I'm not going to say any bad words. (laughs) I just don't get Star Wars. I watched. um, What's the first one? The first ever Star Wars film? The first one released or the first episode? oh don't start doing this to me the first one released new hope n- new hope okay i watched it and i just i just don't see how you can watch star wars nowadays with all the technology that oh we have no. and enjoy it oh i just no. don't get it and plus the storyline's not that good either
2: well i'm seriously considering my place on this podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> um have you got any defense of star wars i don't have to defend a
1: multi-billion
2: dollar franchise you do when people when 57 percent of our listeners are saying it's overrated you only open the poll up for an hour open it for 24 hours and that'll that'll swing um we are a championship podcast so i won't be doing that
1: but <laughs> i think the hour is all we need to show that star wars is just not very good although you're getting a
2: star wars tattoo aren't you <laughs> well you've got out of me there yes i am and um i don't have to explain myself what what's it going to be um I, it's it's in it's in the writing at the moment jar jar binks well, you remember a character so that's a good that's a good sign <laughs> jar jar binks
1: on the back of your leg bit of jar jar binks <laughs> can't go wrong fair enough i'll look forward to see that i will support that even though i do think star wars is overrated ladies and gentlemen it's time for a new game
5: hi simon Grayson and
1: So, this game is called Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. We're joined by Phil Catchpole from the Wickham podcast, Ringing the Blues, and Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast. Gentlemen, you'll be the first to try out our new game. How excited are you?
3: I don't have the words to describe how excited I am. I thought I was excited <laughs> yesterday, but I've reached new
1: heights. Matt,
3: are you also as excited?
1: I can't wait. i just going to get out here. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you, you are in for a journey here, I'm telling you. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. And they've got to work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say, name the first eight clubs alphabetically in the championship and Justin were to say Brentford, that's one down. And then Phil were to say Barnsley, then that's another down. But if Matt were to say Wickham, then he'd be out. And what they've got to do is name all eight without all being eliminated. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah. Okay, good. Justin, you look a bit confused. <laughs> I'm always confused. Mate. You're always confused. Okay. Well, we'll give it a go. I've made it nice and easy the first one because I wanted, um, I wanted to see if it, this actually works. Because if it if it doesn't, we'll just scrap it and do something else next week. <laughs> um, your first question is, guys. Apart from English, what are the eight most common nationalities in the championship this season? Justin, you can go first. So I have to start alphabetically. No, that was just an example. Oh. Just the most common nationalities from players in the championship this Irish. season. Irish, that is correct. That is 34. That is the most common nationality in the championship this season. Phil, can you name me another nationality, please? Uh, Scottish. Scottish is correct. That is 30 seconds. That is the second most common nationality. Matt, can I have a nationality, please? Wales. That is also correct. Guys, you are flying through this so far. Um, Justin, can I have another nationality, please?
2: Um, Mm. I'm
1: going to go Spanish. Spanish is correct. There are 14 Spanish players in the Championship this season. Phil, you have got four left to choose from. Can you name any of the most common nationalities in the Championship that we haven't named yet? Northern Irish. Northern Irish. That is also correct. So of course, we've gone through all the British Isles now, so you're going to struggle a bit now. Mm. Um <laughs> Matt, who are you going with? Uh, I'll go France. France is correct. 13, which is strange, because usually that's the most common nationality outside of the British Isles, but it's mm. not on this occasion, Justin. Can you name me another nationality, please? Um
2: yeah.
1: I mean, Basin... Full of Germans, so German. German is correct. Most of them play for Norwich. Uh, there is one nationality left, Phil. Can you name the final nationality of the most common in the championship? We've had Spanish, right? That's gone. Spanish is gone, indeed. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Norwegian. Norwegian is not correct, no. So Phil is out. That means it's just Justin and Matt remaining. Matt, can you name the final nationality out of the most common nationalities in the championship? I'm going to go Portugal. Portugal is not on there, meaning everything is relying on (laughs) Justin Peach, the ever-reliable Justin Peach. Justin, can you name the most common nationality in the championship? You've built this up now. Um, Austrian Austrian is not on there okay. that means you're all out and you have all lost on the first ever game <laughs> of Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight boys how do you feel? worse than yesterday <laughs> uh, the most common nationality was Dutch there are 13 oh. Dutch players in the championship um, I thought you were going to breeze through that so I'm very surprised uh, the other most common nationalities outside of the top eight were Danish. There are 10, Brentford. Nigerian, and then Austrian. So that was on there, but there are only nine, which is weird because I can't name one Austrian championship. Again, I think they all play for Barnsley. <laughs> Andy Weiman. Oh, well. I can't name many others <laughs> apart from that. Anyway, lads, you have all lost at the first ever Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. You should all be very disappointed for yourself. But thank you for taking part in the show today. We have been joined by Matt Lax from the Rotherham United podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. appreciate it. No problem. And Phil Catpole from the Wickham podcast, Ringing the Blues. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, A real pleasure. This has been the Second Tier podcast. As always, if you could give us a like uh, on Twitter and give us a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts, it would be all very much appreciated. It all does so much for us as a podcast. And if you could just tell your friends, fellow fans about us, It goes a long way, I promise you. Thank you for tuning in today. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've
2: been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.
5: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods,